This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and spoke to Stan Miaskowski. Stan is the owner of Kiwana Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, he has been in that world for 10, 12 years or so. Uh, so it's pretty neat to hear how he got into it uh, and what that's been like for him. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Hello, Stan. Thanks Hi. for coming in today. How you doing? Yeah, good, good. good, good. Um, here to talk to you about your world in jujitsu and eventually trout fishing, but we'll save the trout fishing for later. Uh, how did jujitsu begin for you and what was that beginning like? That's a good question. Uh, so for me, I actually remember when I was younger in high school, one of my friends would show me like boxing. He was super into boxing. He was super into the ultimate fighting championship, championship UFC. And, uh, back then I actually, I thought it was pretty barbaric. I was, I would watch it. These guys just beat the living daylights out of each other. And, right. and, uh, I was like, man, this is like, this is crazy to watch. Like I, I wasn't really into it. Okay. Um, and there came to a point where the more he would show it to me, the more he'd explain like, this is this technique and this is that technique and this is this. And so you're watching it, it from two very different perspectives from the perspective of knowing nothing about the sport. Okay. And then as you start learning the sport and what you realize is it's, it's two people who have trained for typically a lifetime in their, uh, chosen disciplines. Right. And they're just trying to test themselves. And it's really, it's not about the, the, the goal, even though like from the outside, if you have no idea what's happening, you're just looking at it and like, you're thinking they're just trying to beat each other up. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they're just trying to get in a fight. Right. But really at the end of the day, it's two people who are just trying to test their own skills, their own martial arts, um, their own character. And, and you can learn a lot about yourself even just by competing, by, um, getting into a competition, even if it is like a fight, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's a jiu-jitsu competition or an MMA style event. Sure, sure. You know, and, and sorry to, to elaborate too, yeah. um, that got me into it. I was like, the more I learned about it, the more intrigued I became. Okay. But the main thing that got me into the sport really as well was the feel of needing to learn how to defend myself. And I, I had some situations where I was younger where I really felt like I would have benefited not from getting into a fight, but simply from knowing how to defend myself. Okay. And you can, even if you're using de-escalation techniques, if everything relies upon you using only your words, you're not gonna have confidence in your words. Now, sure. yep. if you know that I can defend myself, you're gonna have way more confidence in using your language and your, your skills to deescalate a situation, hmm. knowing that you can, if it doesn't work out, still defend yourself and you have more confidence in the, the situation. So the goal is never to use your jujitsu or right. any martial art against a person. It's more another tool that allows you to be more confident, be more um, able to deal with those situations. So that's something that really got me into the sport as well. Huh. 
Okay. But how long did that take from that first moment of, I mean, I suppose it was a, a span of time, right? But uh, of saying, hey, this is barbaric until you realize, hey, this is actually a chess match or whatever else. How long did that transition take? That's a good question. Um, I would say really my first uh, exposure to any martial arts was probably 17, 16, somewhere in that age. Uh, I was definitely in high school is like the memory. Okay. Um, and then I was I started ju- doing jujitsu by 2021. 20, so, it, you know, pretty like short span, three, four years. Okay. Um, be, constantly being exposed to it and then getting to a point where I was starting to get really into it. So um, within three, four years is probably when I'd say that, you know, my views on it kind of changed. Okay. Uh, and when did you actually decide, hey, I'm going to actually go and partake in this activity versus um, just being an enjoying spectator? Yeah. So I had a, like I said, when I was a little younger, I had a situation where I really felt like I could have benefited from knowing how to defend myself. And I, I didn't. And, and what you realize when you don't know how to defend yourself and, and you're called upon that situation to defend yourself is how truly weak we are as like human beings. Even though we're very strong, you know, we can be very strong. We can show great strength. And resilience overall we can be very very susceptible and very weak you know it doesn't mm-hmm. take a lot for a person to you know cause great harm to another so i felt completely in that situation just helpless and that i had no idea of what i was doing and to me that was kind of an unacceptable thought you know sure. it's like i want to know how to defend myself i want to know if somebody comes to my house and or tries to attack my family or a loved one i want to know that i can defend myself and i can you know and i've had students of mine who have been in regular situations a really simple one that i can remember is you know one of my students had somebody try to pick up fight with him in walmart of all places you know it was just the middle of winter he's wearing shorts right and the guy's like hey why are you wearing shorts and it's like like you're not trying to get in a fight you're you're shopping at walmart you know but you have no idea of when somebody maybe they're going through their own hardships maybe they're having some sort of mental imbalance where they might you know or you're out at a club and you had a drink and all of a sudden some guy thinks they're tough and they want to start to pick a fight with you right it's important to just be able to defend yourself, you know, and, and again, it's not the goal to get to an altercation, right? but if the altercation occurs, you're prepared. And I think that's the most important part of it. Sure. Okay. So the actual moments themselves, though, I, a lot of what I'm curious about is the trajectory, sure. how that's changed you, where you're at today and where you're going to be going next. But, Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious about those first days. Cause for, to me, Fair I feel enough. like it's a, a kind of a powerful moment of being like, Fair okay, enough. I'm going to head in and actually do this. Did you have gotcha. somebody convince you to do that? You had thought about no, it that was all. While, that was, was for it? the most part based on my memory on my own. Um, okay. I started to learn from books. Uh, we so I lived when I really got into martial arts. I at this point I lived in Iron Mountain, Michigan. Okay, I had no martial arts background. The closest school was maybe three three hours away, two hours away mm-hmm. at that time. So I started learning from books, um, and this is actually kind of a fun story, but. I went to our local, we had a kickboxing academy, mm-hmm. and it was two Muay Thai guys, two brothers, and they didn't end up being the best like um, representatives of martial arts, because okay. what, I, what would happen is, I came in the same way as a lot of other people did, I just wanted to learn martial arts. Right. And so they would claim to teach you jiu-jitsu, but all they did was just basically beat, each, beat up the new people, and mm. be like, you're learning jiu-jitsu. Right. And nobody stuck around, just like, if you came in, you want to learn something, you want to learn how to defend yourself and you're not learning anything, mm-hmm. you're going to leave. Right. So for me, I stuck around just because I still wanted to learn it. And I was at this point already learning a little bit from books. But okay. the, again, there's no martial arts in the area. Um, and so I actually, as a white belt, as a total beginner, I left that academy and I started to do my own thing. Like I, I opened 
like a business basically. Hmm. And I was very forward and very honest. I said, hey, I'm a beginner. I don't know what I'm doing, but let's all learn together. Let's create an environment where we can all try and learn martial arts together. Right. And for the most part, it was pretty much a failure. We, I remember I had a, like a, almost like a business partner helping me and, and we just paid the rent like 600 bucks a month mm-hmm. ju- just to have this space. And, and so that was actually how I learned jujitsu was the hard way. Okay. Uh, no, no instructor at that point, no teammates really. I'm building it from scratch as right. a beginner who really doesn't know the sport. And it's a very unique situation. It's kind of almost like the old school jujitsu days, you know? Right. Um, and then my first jujitsu coach came to me. He was, he, he's selling ad space in the newspaper and he he's from marquette and he kept telling me you should come to my gym you should come to my gym you should train with us you should train with us and i was going man you're like an hour and a half away each direction like it's too far right i can't i can't make this work and i ended up competing against one of his students in like a local little tournament and i got choked out in 30 seconds yeah and the next day on monday i was at his gym for the next three years until i got my blue belt and and that's what i tell i instill that in my students you know i have students who are like man i've got I got too much schoolwork. I've got too much of this. I got too much of that. And really, it's everything is about making the sacrifices. If it's important to you, if it's something you love, you'll find time. Because right. to find an hour a week, most people can sacrifice a little bit of time here or there to make an hour to train. And and to get growth, you really need three hours. Sure. But but at least with an hour a week, I, I feel like anybody, if, if you love it, you can, you can do it. And, and, huh. and you can make that time, you know. So that's kind of my introduction to jiu-jitsu is, coming from a place where there was nothing to finding a school in Marquette. And then he was part of the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu family. Mm-hmm. He's ranked under Josh Pacini, my coach, Okay, who's ranked under Eddie Bravo, who's in LA, who, which is Joe Rogan's coach. Right. Um, and so my that's how I kind of fell into that system. And I've been ranked through the same system from white, blue, purple, brown, and black belt. Yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, that is nuts to just think is that normal to not have a coach is that no is it effective it it was a very steep like slow learning curve um because at the end of the day you don't have somebody saying you did this wrong you have you did this right and the way the human brain is is built is we have a lot of confirmation bias that is like i remember specifically as a beginner thinking in my mind i'm doing so good i'm doing so good and then i'd watch a video of myself actually doing it and i'm like man i'm terrible right you know what right. i mean because we tell ourselves we're better than we really are and sure. so i think it's definitely slow like my students now can probably learn in six months what it took me three years because i'm doing it on my own i don't have a coach where they have a coach you know as like i'm a brown belt now so they have a coach who's taking an interest in them guiding them telling them this is good this is not you know and and so your learning rate is going to be way way better with a good coach right and i think that's where i think there's actually a big miscon- misconception in jiu-jitsu where people are going you you'll never learn online and i think that's actually not true okay i think the truth of the matter is you can still learn off videos off youtube but having a good coach who's at the side of you you know on the side telling you hey fix this move this a millimeter here mm-hmm. move this here they have the experience the know-how and and the understanding to really mold and guide somebody so. right okay so two things uh, interested in many things but two things i'm interested in is at first it was just the ability to defend yourself but eventually i feel like it probably moved beyond that and you're actually absolutely. super excited about it right absolutely uh, and why was that uh, and then at some point, I want you to touch on just high level. How do you define jujitsu? How do you look at jujitsu sure. from a, a like a philosophical level? That's, absolutely. So, um, 
hold on. Uh, so first, first part, first one, uh, part one. yeah, first part is why did it, or, or you went from wanting to defend yourself, right? Uh, and then why did it get bigger than that? And why were you so gripped and eventually right. get to the point where you're there for three day, three years in a row all the time, all that, what was that transition like? And sure. why was it? Sure. That's a great question. So when I was younger, uh, I started by playing hockey. That's okay. I was I was born in Russia, Russian family. My dad actually worked with some of the highest level Russian coaches in the Soviet Union at the time. Huh. Um, and so it was chosen for me. OK, I, I played hockey since I could remember. Right. And uh, I remember one of the things that I specifically remember, I loved hockey, like but it wasn't really something I chose for myself. Okay. Uh, it's something I was just put into. And, and I remember from two you know two and a half three years old my dad going in his thick russian accent you play in the nhl yeah you know and, yeah. and it's like okay you know but you know i was pretty short i was, was you know i'm 5'11 there's not a lot of nhl players that are 5'11 overall sure. right. um and, and so among you know other things but i i got pretty good i played junior a um but jujitsu was my first like true passion and love that i chose for myself so okay. that was one big thing is um, it was something I chose for myself. Huh. But the other thing is when you'd go to hockey locker rooms, for the most part, like the, the kind of conversations going on in, in a hockey locker room are, you know, like you, you would say guy talk, right? Sure, like, or whatever. Right. And, and sometimes it gets a little bit past that and just ridiculous. Right. The difference between jujitsu and other, mar other sports to me is you are now in a, in a, group of people in a building with a group of people who are all working towards self-improvement right, um, right they are now you're more likely to be around people that are introspective and i think that's mm -hmm. really a place where you're going to find a lot of growth right and something that really motivates me with jujitsu is i consider myself like i'm not without getting too far into it i'm not very like religious i'm i'm and stuff like that and and there's so much today in the world of politics that religion politics all these things they separate people right yep but in jiu-jitsu we all just have limbs and we're all trying to improve yeah so you're basically surrounded by people who are all trying to work together you know and it forms like this brotherhood of trust where um it's really conducive to becoming a better person and, right. and i think the amount of human growth that i've had in since joining jiu-jitsu itself has been a great tool in everyday life huh. and, and something that when you really I tell my students all the time, if you come in, you're learning the moves and you're leaving, you're doing it wrong. Sure. And you're not benefiting truly from what it is that jujitsu is. Right. And some people, they have that in other forms, I think, too. Okay. Um, but essentially, even even like, let's say if you're religious, you're going to be surrounded oftentimes by people in that area that are also in the same common beliefs as you. Mm -hmm. Where I think with jujitsu, you're going to have people of every race, every political affiliation, every religion. And we... I pride myself on having an academy that is open to that okay where i just truly believe if we all sat down like if i sat down my, all my students and right. i go let's talk politics yeah within 30 minutes that room is going to dissolve into chaos oh yeah, yeah you know but we don't talk about that and i make it a point like if i if i hear any of that i shut it down in the gym just because it's like hey that's not what we're here for we're right. here to work together become better people and the friendships you build like i'm sure like i'm sure there's friend groups that if i started to like pick at that mm -hmm. and go hey let's talk politics now that there's like arguments going on you know but right. overall jiu-jitsu is very very much an environment that just breeds really good 
energy improvement, you know, self-improvement, things like that. So that's something that I, I, I came in for the movements and I, I stayed for all the other hmm. not less spoken about, um, like tenants and, and things like that. Yeah. Did you expect that going into it? Did you realize that? Um, the, no, the I don't think that's, I don't think a lot that. of people go into jujitsu with that. You know, they, they just want to learn the technique. They're like, I want to learn self-defense. I want to learn a cool submission or how to choke somebody or how to, you know, do an arm lock. So, right. um, and I think that it's something that a good coach should guide their students towards understanding the greater, the depth of jujitsu. Yeah. Crazy. That's cool. Uh, have you always been very introspective? No, okay. no, I think actually it's, uh, so my I was raised primarily by my father and some dads, this is a good quote I'm going to steal from one of my students. Um, some dads teach you how to act. Other dads teach you how not to act. Okay. And my dad, you know, he, he very much loved us. He, he's works hard. Um, but somewhat self-destructive in many things in a lot of things that I did as a young person that I think without jujitsu and martial arts, I probably would not have, grown quite as much hmm. and, and i think that it's a great tool if you allow it to be and, and a great example of this actually um technique is everywhere okay in conversations with people you can you can have a technical approach to how you speak to somebody right because let's say we just argue we can argue forever right but if i have a in jiu-jitsu we set our goals we set our intentions and we set different paths to get to our end goal. Mm -hmm. So if I now come to a conversation and I already have a preset amount of goals of how I want to approach the situation, what happens if this roadblock occurs? What happens if that roadblock occurs? How do we work together to get past that and to find success? That's really jujitsu in a nutshell, is Mm. I'm faced with a dilemma, right? Maybe a position, maybe a submission. Now, if I freak out and I just try and muscle my way out, if I just try and use my attributes i might make it worse right right or i might in a moment of just trying to like chaos get submitted you know get locked in even tighter in a submission Mm -hmm. so it really teaches you to be calm under pressure it teaches you to have prepared like um paths that you can go towards and then it also really allows you to i'm it's hard to word it but it just, it's a great roadmap to success, in my opinion, if yeah. you allow it to be. And a perfect example of that is just recently I was I was pulling on a really thin piece of rope that was on like a fence. And it was so thin, I just was like, in my mind, I'm like, I can just rip this off. Mm-hmm. And I kept pulling on it, pulling on it, and pulling on it, and using muscle, and using muscle, right? And that to me is like a white belt who sees a technique and they're going, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna rip it off. Right. I did that for three minutes. This, like the little thin piece of rope that you, you think it's nothing, and I couldn't rip it off. Right. And now you're just getting frustrated, right? Frustration sets in. Now you're not thinking clearly. Then I paused and I'm like, okay, how do we, how do we approach this from a jujitsu standpoint? So I look at the way the knot is tied, right? And I can very quickly see, okay, this is in this type of like configuration. If I simply just pull here, push here, pull there, you untie the knot and it's effortless. Mm -hmm. So now you use no energy. You use a movement or a technique, if you will, right? right? To defeat the dilemma without having to use strength without getting tired without getting frustrated mm-hmm. and that's that's what jujitsu teaches you is no matter what you're doing in life there's always a better path to attain that goal yeah that's unreal i really like that introspective part of it that i wouldn't have realized maybe if i really thought about it but i wouldn't have realized but that's what this is all about is being this whole podcast is about getting introspective and i yeah. i think i've always been that way maybe not 
I'm not sure. I, I can't tell if I'm the same as everybody or how that works or what it's like to not be me, right? Um, sure. But the the introspective portion, I think, is super cool. You didn't realize that going into it, but it ended up being pretty, yeah, uh, a, a big deal, right? And I think, honestly, most people aren't very introspective. I think a lot of people are very comfortable being who they are. They don't question things. Okay. Um, and, and even in jujitsu, you can have different instructors who have different modalities and different ways that they view jujitsu. Sure. Um, and, and just life in general, I think there's a lot of jujitsu academies that, for example, they go, this is how I do an arm bar. And mm -hmm. this is the only way you're allowed to do my arm bars at my gym, mm -hmm. right? And this is our way, this is the right way, this is the only way. I have students all the time who come to me and go, hey coach, I'm doing it this way. And my answer to them is try it. And I go, I, I don't shut down ideas. I don't shut down um, things because you, you're gonna create, you, you might create something new. Mm -hmm. And that's how, by being open to ideas, by being open to questioning things, you're, there's more room for development. There's more room for improvement. Sure. And I think that that's as a coach, I foster ideas being developed. And if we if they don't work, then we go, okay, this didn't work because of this, this, and this. Now you, all you, you've gained is you didn't even. It's not like you wasted your time. Right. It's that you got a deeper of understanding maybe of why the technique works the way that it does because okay. now you tried it a different way and instead of just saying no, right? Right. I'm saying try it. Right. Now they go, they come back to me and they say, oh, I tried it, but now I'm faced with this dilemma. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we have this dilemma. What if you do it this way? And they go, no, there's no dilemma here. Okay. So which way is better? Right. Now they go, they decide for themselves, this is the better way. So, and sometimes you, they'll surprise you. Sometimes they go, okay, there was this dilemma. We faced this dilemma with this technique, but now they create a new dilemma, which actually faced them with, and I, I talk about jujitsu is really giving people choices, okay. but making it the goal to make it all bad choices. Sure, right. So everything, if you, there's two ways really to look at jujitsu. You could do it like be a hammer where everything is a nail and all you're going to do is just try and hammer everything into place. And mm -hmm. you're like, this is the technique. And even if you resist, I'm going to make it work. Okay. That works. And, and a lot of competition, like really good competitors are that way where they just have like five techniques and they can just force it on anybody. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really the definition of like a good tech, a great technique is a good technique without going all over the place. Yeah. is something that'll work on somebody who has no idea it's coming. Okay. A great technique is something that works on everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, to me, the way I look at jujitsu is no matter what you do, there's a series of counters and movements that I can do to counter what you're doing. Okay. So nothing you do is necessarily wrong. It's being ahead of the game to give you a series of choices that all lead down a road where it's like a choose your own adventure game where you always lose. Right. Right. right? There is no winning for the opponent because, okay, you made this move. So now my counter is here. Right. Now you made this move. So now I faced you with two or three dilemmas and all of them lead to another technique that I've pre-prepared for you to fall into. Right. And sometimes you give them the illusion, like we yesterday in class, we gave them, in jiu-jitsu we have very specific goals that we want to achieve. Okay. We want to take them down. We want to pass their legs and we want to get a dominant position and eventually want to submit them. That's mm. a four step process. Okay. Take them down, get past their dangerous legs, get to a dominant position and finish or submit. Um, you can 
in jiu-jitsu, let's say you're in the bottom position, I can give you one of those four steps. I can give you getting around my legs for free. Right. And in the moment where you're focused on getting around my legs, I've already preset a trap that you're not focused on because you're focused on a different battle that we're not having entirely. Yeah. I've seceded that battle. I right. say you can win this battle. Right. Because now I'm a step ahead and I'm gonna win the war. Right. 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 So, and that's where it's, it's not about working hard. It's not about using muscle. It's about using your intelligence and your technique to overcome somebody who's using those things. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Um, and I was going to ask you again, or maybe I even asked earlier, just like a high level definition of jujitsu, but is that it, that four step process or how would you define on a, on an elementary level? So I, I'm going to play, play kind of plagiarize this okay. without yeah. trying to plagiarize this. Sure. Um, because I think learning from great minds and, and, and regurgitating that information is probably really important, uh, especially when it's just good information. So, right. um, John Donaher is a really incredible jujitsu mind. He's probably argue, you know, arguably the best coach in all of jujitsu. And the way he looks at jujitsu is the same way that I look at jujitsu, where if you look this part, I'm definitely going to steal from him, but you look at the Olympics and you have the javelin throw, right? right? And it's the most explosive, um, sport there really is because you're running right then you're jumping then you're turning both hips your shoulders and you throw a javelin mm -hmm. what would happen if we put that person on the ground right on their back they they'd take that same javelin that they threw 90 100 feet they couldn't make it 10 feet yeah so the real goal of jiu-jitsu is to take your greatest weapon away from you which is kinetic explosive momentum hmm. if i can put you on your back even if you're bigger than me and you're stronger than me that now changed the game where you can't turn your hips. Even if you punch me, it's not going to really hurt the same. Even if you kick me, it's not going to hurt the same. There's very, very few times in all, even the UFC where you'd see somebody from their back knock somebody out who's right. on top of them because huh. gravity's working against them and they've lost the ability to really generate explosive momentum. So the safest thing in any fight is to take it to the ground. Okay. Right. If you're bigger than me, you, you might only have to punch me once and you could knock me out. You could you can cause me a great deal of harm. If I can take you to the ground, that buys me time that allows me to control you, your shoulders, your hips and really limit the amount of damage. So um, actually, I, I listened partially to the, the your podcast with Ted and I, I remember he was kind of uh, touched on this, but jujitsu is really about it does work on a larger opponent. And okay. I want to elaborate on that yeah, um, a little bit. If both, let's say me and you both know jujitsu right. and we're equally skilled, yep. the bigger person is probably going to win because that's an attribute. Sure. At the end of the day, everybody has attributes. Some people have size, some people have strength, some people have, oh, sorry, uh, some people have all sorts of different attributes, right? Okay. Um, flexibility is an attribute. We never really say, hey, can you stop being less flexible? Mm -hmm. Well, we will tell the big guy, hey, can you not use your strength? Right. But that's not really fair, right? Right. Because that's just your attributes. Mm -hmm. So if we have equal skill, everything's completely equal across the board, your attribute of being bigger than me is absolutely an advantage. Right. That's why swimmers shave their leg hairs. Yeah. Because that little advantage makes a difference. So for us to say one pound of weight isn't going to make a difference is, is, is ridiculous. Right. You know? But for me like i'm i'm 155 when i compete mm -hmm. i have students that are 230 pounds and i can tap them 10 times in five minutes right because my skill is that it's such a greater level than their skill mm -hmm. that the size no longer matters right and that's really where people have to make that distinction and be honest there's a lot of 
propaganda you can almost say in jujitsu mm-hmm. where people will say oh just learn jujitsu and it works on bigger people just learn jujitsu and you know there's there's just you know different things where they're just not completely true statements okay um even saying it's it's the best standalone martial art that you could learn i think you should learn striking arts mm-hmm. everybody like on top of learning jujitsu should learn how to strike too right you know right. because you you don't want to just learn jujitsu um and and be unable to defend a punch a kick or anything like that and have no idea how to deal with those right right yeah no it's uh but to me what's super interesting i think it's cool is the fact that you went there and i keep going back to this but you went there for the defending part uh and the introspective part and the internal growth do you think it's changed the way i mean it sounds like it has it's changed the way your brain works really right yeah for sure um yeah it's something too that i think if you just come for the movements and the techniques you will find yourself eventually getting bored because for example in karate taekwondo you can earn a black belt in three to five years that's the average right the average for jiu-jitsu is 10 to 15 years so it's there's so many more techniques there's so many more things to learn even in one of my typical jiu-jitsu classes you might learn some degree of judo you might learn some wrestling Um, you might learn some striking defense into jiu-jitsu so it's not just about learn and especially different schools are different but at my school we're learning everything that fits under the umbrella of being useful for jujitsu right um so with the moves i think it's easy to get bored because now you're just coming there for the moves right if you change your perspective and you're now there for the other things the health benefits the Mm -hmm. mental and we haven't touched on that either right you're with covid like we've all been separated so much you don't think about it but you're hugging another person right you're getting oxytocin you're getting serotonin you're getting all those feel-good chemicals that people genuinely need through struggle and through like um and and through like working with other people that give us balance they give us mental health so there's all these other benefits that come with jujitsu as a whole Mm -hmm. other than just looking at it like i'm coming in to learn a move or two right Right. And, and that is what's going to keep people training for their entire lives. If you're just there for the techniques, you'll come for a year or two. You might earn a blue belt. You might leave. Mm-hmm. If you're there for every other part of it, you will never leave. Right. And you right. will you will find jujitsu as a tool to just become a better person, become a better you know partner, become a better you know son, daughter, whatever. So those are. It's just a. Um, and I think too, for a lot of people, they don't fall under different, like they don't feel like they fit in maybe somewhere. Okay. Um, and I think this is somewhere where it doesn't matter, again, your your color, your race, your politics, any of that. If you're willing to learn jujitsu and improve, then there's a room of people who are learning to you know, work with you and teach you jujitsu and just all improve together. And that's, that's what's the part that keeps me coming back. Right, right. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. 
Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at Zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. No, that's cool. And I do want to get into your coaching side as well. But that first fight that you lost, you said 30 seconds and yep. you, were, you were tapped out. What was that moment like? Were you frustrated, inspired? What was that? A little bit of everything, I think. Uh, you okay. know, I'm very competitive. I sure. don't like to lose. Um, it was, I think, a little embarrassing. And I think mostly it's eye-opening. I think a lot of people have a great misconception of how well they would do in an altercation and especially against somebody who's trained you know th this was a situation where it's not like i went against somebody who had no idea what they were doing this is a student who had been training for a year and a half two years something like that knew some jujitsu and just made it look easy mm -hmm. you know and that's where on one hand you can get frustrated and be like man i suck right well, you're supposed to suck i've been i've been training uh, maybe a year at that point right I'm supposed to lose, you know, and that's where I've had students get frustrated. It's like, man, I keep getting tapped out. You're supposed to get tapped out. That's part of the process. Right. If you're coming in and you think you're just going to tap everybody in the room, you're going to have a bad time. Mm -hmm. um, but that was for me inspiring to see if he can do it. I can do that. Okay. And I've had I've trained for 12 years now. I've had training sessions with world class i've trained with some of the best in the world right and even 10 years in i've had people who can tap me like i've started yesterday yeah and you on the drive home it's an eight hour drive from chicago home sometimes and you're just sitting there going i should probably quit i'll yeah. never be that good <laughs> i i couldn't even like do anything right but then you're like he's human yeah the only difference between me and him is he's spent more time drilling it and repping it right and so if he can do it i can do it and, yeah. and that's where you can get motivated instead of get frustrated. Again, it's all about perspective, right? Right. And what you choose to dwell on. You can choose on, I suck. But now now your whole perspective of yourself and, and your energy is, I just suck. I suck. You go through life thinking, I suck. Right. That's not going to be conducive to improving or getting better. If you go, I'm going to get motivated because I saw he's capable of that. I'm going to ask questions and say, hey, how do you train? What do you do differently that allowed you to get to this skill level? Right. That's where now you have an opportunity. And I think finding the opportunities within the struggle is the most important part. You know, everything that happens that's bad comes with a series of positive learning lessons you can take away from it. In any situation, no matter how, how negative, how awful the situation is, there's always, always something to take from it. Even if it's as simple as being a little more grateful for the good situations, you know sure. what I mean? But it's where you shift your focus to. Right, right. No, it's all good stuff. Uh, did you say before we hopped on that you had trained with Eddie Bravo at once? Yep, yeah, so. Time. What was that like? Um, <laughs> so I've done some of his seminars. I've done some, I've, I visited LA for a straight week to train with him. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll say this, I love Eddie. He's amazing. If you're the seminars, they're like a three hour seminar. Okay. And most times you'll pay like a hundred bucks for a seminar and you get three hours of technique with Eddie. It's, it's, it's almost like a celebrity thing, you know, mm. like you're paying a hundred bucks and you're doing two hours of talking about flat earth and CGI and all these crazy things. And he's mostly joking. Like sure. he's just bored, you know, but like right. every, every white belt now, every time they go to a summit, like Eddie, talk about flat earth. And right. you know, that's all you got to say to Eddie. And all of a sudden he's on a two hour tangent about, you know, flat earth. And I remember I was there for a week, uh, in LA and the, one of the biggest memories I have is he'd like, he looked at me and he paused class and he goes, you ever see the photos from space? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, those are all CGI, right? I'm like, sure, 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 Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course they are, you know, or whatever. So 
Uh, he's entertaining. He's like, you know, but, and his jujitsu is really good. So it's, when you get to the jujitsu part, it's awesome, you right. know, and it's like, that's what I'm here for. But right. then you also have to deal a little bit with the, the crazy conspiracy stuff and sure. And, and Eddie being, being Eddie. So, yeah, you know, being said, it's, it's, it's really cool to be able to train with somebody who's considered one of the best in the sport. And, right. and you don't get that opportunity with many other sports like no. you can be a football fan you're never going to meet the best in the game you right. can be a hockey fan you're not going to meet the best nhl players right for the most part in jujitsu you can i can pay a 100 bucks and go train with basically any of the best guys in the in the planet because mm-hmm. they're for one they're welcoming to teach the technique um and two even i can go to their gym and train and two um it's just a small enough community that everybody is still we all know each other like sure. i actually am friends on even like social media with some of the top jujitsu names in the sport because right. we're all small community and and willing to work each other with each other we're all going to see each other at a tournament or here or there so and that that makes it really unique where yeah. no matter where you go in the world there's always going to be somebody who like i can go to almost any gym and i know people at those gyms hmm. that's cool uh and you said Joe Rogan has brought a lot of new members into your world, right? Yep, yep. Is that, I mean, nationwide, worldwide kind of thing? Yeah, probably, I, think, right? I think the biggest thing is Jocko. Okay. His podcast brings a lot of people to jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, Joe Rogan's podcast. I know like Sam Harris. Um, there's quite a few actually now. More and more people are really advocating for jiu-jitsu. Lex Friedman um, yeah. has a podcast that's really good. Huh. And most people seem to not most but many people seem to be coming to jiu-jitsu seeing it as just another form of self-betterment self-improvement that allows you to be physical you know get in shape and and that's something too like that i'll touch on just briefly uh without going on another side tangent is jiu-jitsu really has a lot of benefits beyond just the 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 learning of the movements and self-defense right i perfect example my sister is like really really intelligent human being Mm -hmm. very very smart does not a lot of health and fitness and i think that for people that if you want to live a good healthy life you have to make time for fitness and health Mm -hmm. because if you don't make time for it while you're young life will make time for you when you're older Mm -hmm. right through disease or sickness unfortunately right so taking the time now to invest in your health invest in your mental health those are going to pay great dividends down the line and and for me i actually just in december tore my acl my mcl and my meniscus and i had mm. surgery on all three and i haven't been able to train for since december okay and i if my own health benefit my own like health like mental health has definitely struggled in that i don't have that daily like release of like i can come here and for one, you're, it's impossible to think about your troubles when somebody's trying to choke you. You're mm-hmm. just, I, I need to survive, I need to survive, I need to defend, I need to defend, you know? Right. It's very freeing, but it all, and it also like, it gives you that oxytocin. It gives you the serotonin. It gives you all those feel-good chemicals naturally mm-hmm. that so many people now, they don't work out and they're going, I'm frustrated at home. Let me get on antidepressants. Let right. me take a pill to solve this problem that I can solve on my own through going to an academy or through taking some time to work on my physical and mental health. And it's just a great tool overall um, that unintentionally addresses many of the problems that we have today. And I think we're 
we were meant for some degree of struggle. Mm-hmm. Like we used to, you know, people used to scavenge, walk miles, hunt themselves. We don't really do that. We're all in a building, we're comfortable, we have food in a fridge. So there's no real means of struggle the same way that we maybe were intended to have struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think jujitsu allows for that feeling of freedom and just struggle with other people who are in that same room struggling with you. Yeah, right. You were talking earlier about lessons that you learn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's probably a pretty big lesson right now to really make you appreciate when you can get back into training. Absolutely. Right? On, a, Absolutely. on a physical and a mental health. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've done athletics since I was two and a half. I've never had any surgeries. I've never had any real, like I've had injuries, nagging injuries. I've never had, this is the most serious thing I've ever had. Yeah. Um, and it was a freak injury. It was completely accidental. Um, Jiu-jitsu gets a bad name for different like leg locks and leg entanglements. And and for me, my knee got blown apart taking somebody's back. And, mm. and it was just a freak accident. I've done it for 12 years. I've done that same movement for 12 years. It was a beginner who moved the wrong way. And we're very good at uh, predicting mm-hmm. the human brain is. The human brain is very bad at reacting. Sure. And so my reaction time did not happen in time and before my knee even blew apart i knew it was going to blow apart huh. and, and i was just like oh i couldn't tap fast enough right and uh like you said it definitely makes you appreciate being able to train even more so and, and it, especially at a time like right now life's been throwing a lot of stuff my way and and i really wish i could train but yeah. it, that's where again everything's just about perspective now when i train the last 10 years everything's been like when I roll, I, I'm unable at that moment to then correct my other students. Hmm. Being forced on the sidelines, I feel like my students have grown a lot in that time hmm. because I'm I'm unable to train myself. So now all my focus is only on my students. Right, right. So there is that balance. If you want to be a good coach and also be a competitor, you have to have some degree of selfish, self, being selfish um, to get to your own goals while also helping your students. And that's where it's tough. Either mm-hmm. you're going to be a really good coach or you're going to be a really good competitor. It's hard to be both. Right. Right. Um, for me, I, I compete and I coach. So I'm, I do that balance. Now with being injured, I only coach. So it's, I'm able to do more from that side of things. Sure. And so there's, like I said, there's always perspective. There's always benefits. Um, it, that doesn't necessarily help my own mental health cause I'm not getting my own, you know, serotonin and all that stuff cause I'm not training, right. but I find other ways to fill that to, sure. to still, you know, get benefit. Right. Right. Uh, can you get into your, uh, com- competitive trajectory? Like, did you, did you have thoughts or, I mean, what was your plan and where are you at currently? Where are sure. you going down that road to from so, a competitor standpoint? That's a great question. Um, I'll be, it's a, it's actually a funny answer. Um, I hate competing. Okay. I hate it, but I, that's why I do it because I hate it. Huh. Um, and I also love it. It's, it's this, I have a very much love hate relationship with competing. i I remember I signed up for a comp and it was true round robin. So you face eight people right. if you get to the finals and I had seven matches and I get to the eighth match and my coach had to talk me into competing. I was like, I'm done. I'm like, hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I'm good. I'm good with second place. Right. And it's not because I'm not competitive because I wanted first place. But it's also like I don't like competing very much um, huh. in jujitsu. I I have a lot of like mental like hangups and stuff, but it's a really good way to test yourself, and okay. that's why I think everybody should compete. Is because nobody's trying to hold your hand, nobody's being nice anymore. You're gonna truly see how your jujitsu works or doesn't, and right. it's gonna show you glaring holes in your game 
that maybe your teammates because they're your friends didn't expose right um and and that's where there's always a give and take with teammates like just because i can tap you 10 times with the same technique doesn't necessarily mean i should right now typically for me i'll tap you two three times and then i'll be like hey here's the defense right and then once i show you the defense now i'm going to start doing it again and then i'll try and tap you a few more times but you're learning in the process right you know um but i think competition is good it's it's healthy it's important and that's where even though i I don't enjoy it very much i feel like i have to do it okay you know just to just to basically face that part that you don't enjoy exactly how come you don't enjoy it do you know why uh that's okay i think yeah it's it's hard to get into there's just a lot of i'd have to like really sit and think about why i don't enjoy which parts of it i don't enjoy um I can definitely tell like the parts I do enjoy. Sure. You know, yeah. um, but it's not even about winning or losing. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to represent my academy, okay. to represent my students and to represent, you know, what we're doing here. And, yeah. it, and coming from a small town, we actually, surprisingly, we take first and second place all the time in big cities like mm-hmm. Chicago. And we do really well. And people will be like, where's this Kiwanau Jiu Jitsu place? And where, where do they train out of? And right. where do they come from? And, and so for me, it's more about, even though I shouldn't, like when I was a white or blue belt, a white or blue belt doesn't really represent any, like they're a gym. Nobody's going to look at a blue belt and be like, man, that gym sucks because their beginner doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like just, that doesn't make sense, right? Right. So when you look, okay, this black belt, this brown belt, he's not doing jujitsu right. Now, now you start to like, be like, well, what is this? Like in jujitsu, we call them McDojos, sure, right? right? Where they're like, they're not teaching actual jujitsu. So for me, it's more of a mental hangup okay. yeah. with competition than it is anything else, I think. Right. Um, I can see that. I had a, I'm not saying about you personally, but I'm just saying even myself in your shoes, I, I could see myself having the, I think just putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. And just not wanting to misrepresent your coaches or have anything come down, like be like somebody call your coach and be like, man, this guy of yours sucks, you know, or whatever, right. like, which is an unreasonable thought. Yep. But it's also we're human and we have those thoughts. So For sure, right. we, those are the inner battles we have to have sometimes. Yeah, right. No, but I had on Dieter Cocken, a local fellow who was in the NHL as a goalie, oh, okay. right? Uh, and he had talked about quite a bit about the pressure that any elite athlete, and you put in that same category, right? You're up upper end of jujitsu. The pressure that they put on themselves, you wouldn't know it from the outside looking in, but it's, it's unbelievable the right. amount of pressure that you have in those Definitely. situations. Uh, and that it can it can be tough on people. No, and that's there's a lot of truth to that. Where I remember my first pro comp, I went zero and seven, and two matches in, I was like, in my head, I was just done. Mm-hmm. And it was like it didn't start right. I was like, all right, I can't win this tournament anymore. And then I went zero and seven. Right. And that actually is a really important reason of why I compete because I learned something. It's like, man, you gave up on yourself. And sure. that sits with me to this day. Like I still wake up sometimes and think about how I went 0 and 7. Right. Because that, and not because they were better than me, because I quit, right? right? Like on myself. And it's one thing if somebody's truly better than you, more technically proficient than you to lose. There's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of shame in not, in losing because you lost to yourself. Sure. Yeah. And that's another reason I compete is because it's really the inner battles that you're having. It's not, you're not competing against another person at the end of the day. Right. That's why in the UFC, for example, it's not always the best person that wins. There's tons of gym killers who are like really, really good that on 
fight day, when the lights are on, when there's a thousand people watching them, they can't perform. Mm -hmm. And and so to be a good competitor, you don't need to just be good at the technique in jiu-jitsu. You need to have good physical conditioning. You need to have good mental preparedness. You need to have a whole a whole separate set of criteria. Let's say we're both black belts, we're both in good shape, we both have the same technique, we both have the same cardio, but I last night ate three cheeseburgers and you ate a salad. Mm -hmm. I might wake up feeling terrible and you might win. Right. So even though everything else was the same, that one little change made the difference. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think to me competition teaches you. So when I went 0 and 7, it was like, man, I never ever want to feel that sinking feeling of quitting on myself again. Right. And so now from that point on, anytime I'd compete, it never mattered, do I win or lose? Did you quit on yourself? Yeah. No. Did you did you give it your best? Yes. Well, then you already won, right. right? Because now it's a matter of who's just technically better. And if they beat you because they're technically better, that just means, okay, you were shown something that you can improve upon. Right. So it's not really, you didn't lose, you gain knowledge in what you need to improve on. Hmm. And, and that, again, shift in perspective on not, I suck, I lost, I'm terrible. You were supposed to lose because your technique was not good enough. Right. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah. um, that's why I compete. I think is is for the the learning aspect of it, and and it reveals to you very clearly what your shortcomings are in that sport. Sure. Yeah. No, that's powerful. It's good stuff. And again, even I do like the thought of you. Even maybe you would naturally lean more towards the coaching side, and I'm pumped to do this, and I really enjoy this, and let's just coach. But saying no, I'm going to compete because I don't love it is the right word, whatever else. But there's a part of me that says I shouldn't be doing it, but forcing it to happen is powerful right. right and i tell my students the same thing i have students that hate competing and i go you have to compete yeah and they're like i don't want to i'm like that's why you have to right you know what i mean and it's i don't push on anybody at the end of the day it's, it's everyone's own choice like i my job as a coach is to meet my students goals so on mm -hmm. day one I, I ask them what are your goals right and some people have some people say i want to be a world champion like for me i've never ever ever went to a competition and been like i want to be the best i yeah. want to prove that i'm the best on the planet and even as a coach that would probably be more conducive to getting students because if you're a world champion you're going to get more students because they're like man that guy's really good mm -hmm. it's never been about that for me sure um it, it's just you know i i'm trying to think again how to how do i I've not, it's not that i want to be the best it's more that i want to test myself yep and right. I, I think all my students should have that point where they want to, okay, I've trained for a year. What can I do under pressure? What can I do when somebody's truly not trying to let me do this and when there's something on the line that I'm now competing for? Mm -hmm. uh, because for the students that don't compete, if I get thrown in a, a situation where now there's a fight, it's a completely different set of circumstances. We're no longer in a friendly place. Right. We're no longer surrounded by our friends. We are in a very hostile environment where we don't know everybody, where maybe we're alone. Mm -hmm. And that much more closely is replicated in a competition than in the classroom. Sure. So that's the other reason. If you really are about self-defense, you should compete. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, what about on the coaching side? Did you know that you would get into that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I've always enjoyed coaching. I, I like sharing things. I actually went to college for psychology okay. um, and business, but with a focus on psychology, I ended up dropping out of college because I had some psych. I actually went for psychology in college, um, and 
and also talked to a lot of professors and their whole thing was really about money. It was, it was, I found psychology to be a lot about managing clients and managing money more so than helping people. Hmm, and that you, you do help people, but I didn't like the business, like that side of things. Right. And I remember being 18 in college, going through a hard time and, and actually going to try and find psychology services as I was going to school for psychology. Mm-hmm. And I kept getting referred out and being like, you're not from this area or you don't have enough money or you don't have this or you don't have that. And then I, I remember going to the college, getting free psychology services. And she told me she couldn't see me anymore because she's like, she was still a student at that point, but mm-hmm. she's also practicing. So sure. it's like you're yeah. doing your hours or whatever. And she tells me, I don't feel comfortable seeing you because you have, in her words, a very addictive personality, which sure. me, an obsessive personality, which is right. probably why I'm on the show, yeah, right. but they're on the podcast. Um, yeah. But she referred me out and that was the moment where I was like, okay, like if I don't have money, like nobody wants to help me or nobody like feels comfortable, I'm gonna find different people to learn from to help others. Right. And coaching allows you to help people of all walks of life, kids, adults, women, um, you know, that's something where I take it very serious. You know, there's women who come in, they want to learn Mm self-defense. You have to make it a really positive environment for them where they feel safe, where they feel like they're going to learn those things also without like, you know, they're coming in, there's 20 guys there, you know, so they want to make sure they're not getting hit on by everybody in the gym. You know, Mm -hmm. they're there to learn self-defense and they're going to learn self-defense. And to me, those are things where I take those, opportunities and i think they're very important to help others right through learning jujitsu yeah. and something that will pay great dividends overall in their life you know so i love it i don't think i'd rather be doing anything else mm-hmm. the fact that i've been able to monetize it and make a living off of it is a blessing because i would i've done it for free for so many years where i'm losing money teaching jujitsu right to also be able to like make a living off of it is just incredible so yeah i'll probably be doing it till i until i can't anymore you know and, and eventually my body will fail but i'll still be teaching others and just have the young guys showing technique like i do now after surgery yeah for sure no that's cool and absolutely i'm not i'm an addictive i have an addictive personality uh and i think it may be genetic or what it is where it comes from i'm not sure but either way it's there and i that's what this is all about this whole show right people that are obsessed i'm obsessed whatever it might be but i think it can be a very positive thing i mean it's led you down this jujitsu road it's let you change the way you think internally teach a lot of people how to improve their lives so obviously there's a huge benefit that comes from that right absolutely there is a potential negative component absolutely right and then yeah. but i think it's just all how do you harness it uh maybe being able to acknowledge that but i'm curious your thoughts we talked earlier I, I often think everybody is an introspective. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be outside of my brain, right? Uh, but you had mentioned that maybe a lot of people aren't. And you can for sure see when somebody's not. You're like, wait a minute. Don't, aren't you thinking about what you're doing in this moment? Um, but anyways, I'm curious. Is there a correlation between people that are introspective and people that are obsessive? Or That's an interesting question. I haven't, I haven't really considered that. Um, I would imagine probably so. Um, yeah. It's Yeah, I've never really considered that question most likely i'd have to imagine so you know yeah and and i I think you're absolutely right where it's important to recognize if you have an obsessive personality um and it could be a very positive thing Mm -hmm. if you allow it to be right and if you use it towards positivity like you're not gonna like do too much jujitsu right you know what i mean like you're not gonna get too into shape right you know that's (laughs) only a good thing right (laughs) but you can be obsessive or addictive in 
a relationship yep. and that could be a very negative thing right mm-hmm. like where you now don't give that person space you don't give them time you you're like texting them all the time or whatever right that's an upset you know now you're obsessed or you're addicted and it's very negative mm-hmm. or you could be addicted to drugs like bad you know or alcohol like i i'm russian i was born in russia like every family gathering i, I never drink i just I, I don't like alcohol right you know but i could see where if i started to like it maybe be with my already predisposed addictive personality that could lead down a very negative path for sure and i think there's a lot of people who have things they do where maybe they don't even introspectively recognize that i have an addictive personality i've chosen to fill my time with something that is now i'm kind of addicted to but in a negative way right how do i fill that with something positive so now it's like every time i want to have a drink of alcohol i'm going to go train sure. i'm gonna go lift a weight right now all of a sudden that same time that you filled with something negative now you can be obsessive about next tomorrow i'm gonna lift five more pounds tomorrow mm-hmm. i'm gonna lift three more pounds and, that, and now that obsession guides you to being a better person so it really is important to harness that in a positive way and, and to recognize that within yourself i think that's a big part of it, it is the recognition okay i have that like whatever whether it's genetic whether it's just personality whatever it may be and then harnessing it towards the right directions yeah for sure on a on a psychology level where you were interested in that into going into college or was that something where you just felt like you should go to school for something and this is something that makes sense or what i think i've been into psychology my whole life i i remember learning some degree of psychology in high school and that always fascinated me that Mm -hmm. in history i remember taking a lot of extracurricular history classes okay um but just being, yeah, those are the things that have always, I think, fascinated me. I've always hated like biology and chemistry. No right. offense to people who like those. Yeah. That's just not for me. Um, and I've also known ever since I was young that I'm not going to have a job where I sit at a desk and do the same thing day in and day out. Right. My personality like does not mold well with that. Like mm-hmm. if I'm, and you'll never go to a jujitsu gym and have the same experience twice. There's right. always a new dilemma. There's always something to improve. There's always something that you're not as good at. And I think too... Actually, while I'm on that, a lot of my students, I tell them this too, people naturally, I think, are not very introspective. I think Mm. people also are very geared towards getting into a comfort zone. Okay, yeah. So my students all the time will be like, I'm really good at this technique, so I'm going to do this technique all the time. And I go, that's not how you get good. No, right. You're not going to get good by just reaffirming that you're good at something. Right. You're going to get good by recognizing what do I suck at mm-hmm. and then repeatedly working on that. So you go and you go, my absolute worst technique is my front choke, for example. Don't shy away from it. I have plenty of students who go, I'm, I just don't play front chokes. And I go, why? Oh, I'm bad at it. Mm-hmm. Guess where you're going to be tomorrow? Bad at it. Right. Guess where you're going to be in a week? Bad at it. Guess right. where you're going to be in a year? bad at it but now let's say we take that same technique and you go i recognize i'm terrible at this i'm gonna try and do this every single day now Hmm. within a few months all of a sudden you're going this was my worst technique it's now my best technique now you go and you find what what now became the worst technique and now i i kind of the way i I explain jujitsu is day one like let's say you came to my school Mm -hmm. day one you're you're like a samurai who doesn't know that he's a samurai yet sure and all you have is a dull rock and now you're trying to do jujitsu and win a war with a dull rock Mm -hmm. so you don't even know what that rock really is you don't see the potential of that rock all you see is a rock and i go okay let's sharpen that rock right and on day one i sharpen your rock for you and all of a sudden you have like a little dull blade 
you can't do a lot with it, but you still have at least a tool, right? Mm -hmm. And you can use that tool in the right setting under the right conditions to get, have some degree of success. So it's like, that's like a white belt where you, on day one, you learned a takedown when they reach for your head. Mm. Now you're like, I'm super dangerous if they reach for my head, right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But don't, if they reach for my leg, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's kind of that dull knife, right? Yeah. So day two now, okay, now we learn what happens if they grab your leg and you're like, okay, cool. Now I got, now I got a dull knife and I've maybe I've got like a, I don't know, an unsharpened like Swiss army. I'm not even a good example. Like, you know, like a machete, sure. but it's just super dull. Right. By the time you've trained jujitsu for 15 years, you've got a machete, you've got a short blade, you've got a long range weapon, you got a bazooka and every single, no matter what your opponent has, you're like, I got, I got the weapon for that. Yeah. And, and it's sharpened. But the difference is now, like for me as a brown belt, I have so many tools at my disposal. I mm -hmm. feel like I got that knife, I got that machete, I got that bazooka, but now it's impossible to keep everything tight, right? Mm. So now your knife's getting a little rusty because sure. you focused your time on getting that bazooka clean or whatever. Right. So now it's a balance of keeping all your tools sharp huh. so that you're not losing those tools. Because in jujitsu, there's so much to learn that you're always gonna get a little bit worse at the things you're not actively practicing. Right. And I think most people will find that whatever they're training that month, that week, that period, that's what they're gonna hit in training the most because it's fresh. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where I always, I tell people like, if you're just collecting and sharpening your tools, you'll never get tired of training. Right. You know, and, and I think that's a good way to visualize being a beginner versus being more advanced in yeah. as that collection. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, it makes total sense for sure. Uh, and then, but also thinking about the psychology side, are you a fan of Jordan Peterson? You follow him at all? Not too much. Not not that I'm not a fan. I, okay. I just it's not a podcast I've really gotten into. So yeah, and uh, I haven't I haven't watched or his podcast. I haven't, but like him on Joe Rogan, for example, okay. I really enjoy his. I've definitely listened to him a little bit. Um, okay. I, with Joe, there's a time I'd listen to every single episode. I think the last few months I haven't really listened too much to to him. Sure. Not that I I don't think I've I've been listening to too many podcasts overall. Um, a lot of MMA podcasts, just keeping up with martial arts in general right is primarily what i'm listening to an mma podcast more on a technical level or do you like do you like to follow the ufc or different yeah ufc like results um stuff like that i think luke thomas has a really good show where even it, i was surprised where i've learned things in jujitsu just from watching his breakdowns of things i'm like huh you know like i didn't even realize that and and so I get into the more technical podcasts for the technique and, sure. and for what's happening and stuff like that. Right. Do you follow from like a fan perspective? Do you have fighters that you really like to root for or cheer for? Absolutely, or anything like yeah, that? for sure. Who are um, some of the guys that you... In the UFC, um, I guess there's the all-time people that I like. I'm a huge fan of like George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. I think yeah. they are people who are unique like nobody moves like anderson silva there's not mm -hmm. a single person alive on the planet today that moves as smooth and as creatively as he did and i think that was something very inspiring to see him do it different and to ha have such a great degree of success okay um i also really like the humble guys like now it's all about being brash and talking smack and mm -hmm. and stuff like that and it's turned away from the martial art of it right. a little bit for the entertainment purpose of it sure and i don't think that's ever something i got into it for was the entertainment aspect of it i truly love the martial art testing yourselves against each other right um and so the most humble fighters are probably the ones that I'm the biggest fan of. 
Um, I I'm trying to think right now. Let's see. Where is Khabib from? Uh, Dagestan. Okay. Yeah, he he he's retired now, but he. Yeah. I mean, I was a huge Habib fan. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Yeah, Damian Maya was a huge guy. I was a fan of because he he was so good at jujitsu and was able to do it on everybody. Um, yeah, but you enjoy the whole the whole scene, right? From oh, yeah. a technical Absolutely. and I just Hamza Shmaev's another good one. Like those those just powerhouse guys who are really really technical. That's I think the the big thing I'm obsessed with isn't even just the fighters, but the technique of it. Sure, um, and that's what gets me excited. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of cool stories there too. Like, do you follow or you hear the story of Francis Ngannou? I probably pronounced that oh, name wrong. Unbelievable for what he went through to get to his position is just so crazy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a crazy story just coming from, you know, you know, from Africa, like literally just throwing sand for, you know, his whole childhood basically then going to France. Right. And then, yeah. and then ending up in the UFC as a world champion is it's incredible. And yeah. that's, that's something where, it's also amazing that they still maintain humility. Um, sure. We actually, so my my significant other got very sick, um, and we I ended up sending a message to one of the UFC champions, and she she was in a like a medically induced coma for a few months, and uh, when she woke up, one of the first memories or things that she did was I showed her a fight. It was a a fight she missed because she's a huge fight fan. Mm-hmm. And it was a championship fight between Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. Hmm. And Pena was a huge underdog. And Juliana Pena won that fight. And she won the title. And when I showed that to her when she first woke up, she, like, she cheered so much. Like, she was, like, throwing her arms up, legs up. Like, I hadn't seen that happiness in months because she, mm-hmm. she was she's so sick. And I, I sent an Instagram message to the UFC champion. Like you'd never expect them to see it. Like I sent it just to be like, Hey, this is a really cool moment that you don't unknowingly were a part of. Mm-hmm. And you really made somebody a sick person's day. I just want you to know that. Right. And that's all I said. And I never thought she'd reply. She sent back a message. She, she was on tough, took time off tough to film like a little video with her and all the castmates sending support. Hmm. And then she sent, at the at the academy right now we have her tough her shirt from tough the right. ultimate fighter and a, a signed glove that she sent to her to like say hey get better yeah and that's like that's humility at, at its core right is we didn't even i didn't ask for anything it's not i didn't ask for a donation i didn't ask for a present i just said hey this is a really cool moment and she goes wow that's you know let me let me send something to a fan who might need it hmm. you know and and i think that's where the martial arts breed those types of people who care about others who are generally good people and, and who, you know, on the drop of a dime will help others, you know, and, and that's something that's really powerful and, and something I enjoy being a part of that community. Right. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great, <laughs> yeah, definitely a lifetime fan of Juliana Pena, you know, from, yeah. from now on, not that we weren't, but right. that was just completely unexpected and, and something that, which is funny too because one of my teammates actually trains at her same thing he trains at her gym and as soon as i posted that he he messaged me like oh i can't couldn't wait to like not have to hold on to that secret you know i was like that's crazy you know so yeah um small community people really good people yeah no that's unreal uh the the humility side does jujitsu keep you humble like I'm thinking about the the showmanship. That's it's partially like for like you said for the entertainment, the uh, trying to drive up prices or whatever else it might be. But 
internally are they all very humble or is it uh not, not, not everyone okay. you know i think i think um that's a great question we have this misconception that every black belt is automatically a good person right and i think we that's another one of those propaganda things or sure. whatever you know yeah. like misconceptions about jujitsu uh-huh. i think y- you get put on a pedestal and i've even experienced that where i've had students come in and they're like oh he's a brown belt or a black belt you know like i got my brown belt that's right below black belt um and they almost like anytime you have a person who is a position of power who has knowledge that you don't they right. could be put on that pedestal sure and some people thrive in that they want to be put on a pedestal yeah i'm the opposite i don't i right. hate i actually like actively don't like that right. i don't want people treating me that way huh. i don't have like a title at the gym it's not like you have to call me professor you have to call me this it's just coach stan stan whatever right let's treat each other like people you know mm-hmm. let's let's just treat each other with respect you give me you show me respect i'm going to show you respect right at the end of class i bow you to the, the students they bow to me like we just bow to each other it's not like you guys bow to mm-hmm. the coach and that's it sure um and i think that's really something like i i i steer away from that okay um, i just lost my train of thought for yeah. a second. what was it one more no, the question just the humility portion like right uh, yeah i was wondering if it always keeps you humble just because you're always losing right so not again not necessarily okay some people will get really good and now they let it get to their head and now they're like you know arrogant and stuff like that it really depends on the person you know i think if you're really deeply diving into the tenets of martial arts of Mm -hmm. jujitsu you will walk away a more humble person okay because for one you learn that it's not you know and at the end of the day, there's always going to be somebody better than you. Mm-hmm. There's only really on the planet one best person, sure. right? So maybe there's one person who could not be humble. Right. But other than that, every single person with the right style matchup with the right opponent has the opportunity to lose. And so you should definitely, I think if you're gaining everything you can from jiu-jitsu, you will become a more humble person. Yeah. If you're not there for the right reasons, you can absolutely misuse it as a tool to become arrogant. Sure. If you, if does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then two, I want to get back to the UFC, or I want to ask sure. you about some of your favorite moments from a coaching level or whatever else. But we talked about fishing. How, how does that world tie into your world, or how did you get into that, or what's that? So I've look like? done fishing since I was a little kid. Um, my dad was super into fishing. I remember not the type of fishing most people are probably accustomed to. Um, you know, coming from an immigrant family, we, I remember growing up in Chicago, waking up at four in the morning and going carp fishing with my dad. Yeah. Um, and it, like getting like 20 carp and then spending the rest half of the day driving to different family members because we were immigrants, you mm-hmm. know, and, and dropping off fish to all our family. And so that's kind of like the way I was brought into it. Catfish, carp, uh, being a little kid, bluegill. Hmm. And that never really got me excited. Um, like I enjoyed fishing, but as an adult now, th- there's a period of time where I stopped fishing altogether. And then I got into trout fishing and I was absolutely god awful at it, like terrible at it. Like, and that, again, the harder something is with my personality, the more likely I am to do it because yeah. I like a challenge. I like to be terrible at something because if I'm terrible at something, there's a potential that I'm not going to be terrible at it. Right. So I dive like head first into it. And the way I look at it is like bluegill are like white belts. Anybody can catch them, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so like, you know, I've, I remember being like five and like throwing a piece of banana on a hook and catching a bluegill. Right. Like anybody can do it. Right. 
And then there's like steelhead, for example. You you got to have the right float, the right presentation, the right everything, the right conditions, and the person right before you might cast the line and they don't get anything, and mm. you might have a one inch difference between your leader and your hook, and all of a sudden you get a bite. Right. And that constant change of wanting to outsmart the fish, see what I need to learn, changing my tactics, that's exciting. Yeah. So for me, I really got into trout fishing, into especially like steelhead salmon fishing. The harder the fish to catch, the more I am likely to be into that type of fishing. Hmm. Um, okay. You know, they say ca- steelhead are uh, a fish of a thousand casts, right? Right. I remember the first year I went for steelhead, I didn't catch a single steelhead. Yeah. I remember the second year, I don't think I caught a steelhead. Last year, I caught at least 30 steelhead. Wow. And it's like, you know, one day there was one day where I caught like 12, just back to back to back huh. to back to back. And so once you figure it out, like now it's like, now you can get in the flow of it. And, and I think steelhead are more like the black belts, you know? Hmm. There's like the pike fishing. Those are like blue belts. You know, there's like musky, muskies fishing. It's like another black belt. Right. And so I almost classify fish by their like, the, yeah. the difficulty <laughs> to catch them into yeah. like a jujitsu rank, right. you know? Yeah. And so I, I try and catch the black belts. Just like in jujitsu, you want to catch that black belt and he's so elusive and you got to do everything right. But if you do everything right, maybe you'll catch him. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's... Well, I wonder how many trout fishermen are uh, ranking their fish by the, the uh, their jujitsu. Not belt. many, I bet. Not many. But uh, <laughs> no, I, actually, cool. I, I got to be honest. I don't think I came up with that first. I think my my jujitsu my first jujitsu coach was an avid fly fisherman, really? okay. and uh, he's the one who taught me how to fly fish. I'm still terrible at it, but okay. have gone a few times, mostly with him. And he's the one who said, like, you know, true like fly fishing is like he he actually relates fly fishing more to jujitsu because it's so much harder. It's more, much more technical and there's so much more technique and finesse to it. Right. Right. So. But do you also like the fishing side? I'm the same way. If it, if something is technical enough where I'm constantly learning and I'm never done learning, right. And it's pretty difficult to learn at first. That's what it's so engaging. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but also too, in, in the whole hunting world, for me, a lot of it's about, about adventure. Is that what it is for you in the fishing side of things? Do you like being on an adventure? Or is it more, uh, uh, of an introspective thing, which I guess that's part of the adventure as well. Right. But I guess I'm curious how that plays into the the fishing world. Yeah. So I, I would say for me, fishing started as catching fish. Okay. And I did not realize really the depth of what it is. Now I remember like even a, a couple of years ago, if I went fishing and I didn't catch something, I felt like I failed. Mm-hmm. Right. I get in a bad mood and I'd be like, man, this sucks. You mm-hmm. know, I could even be going with a close friend. If I'm fishing, I'm fishing like don't talk to me very much like i'm focused on this task right now it's very much changed to where i don't even care if i catch a fish in in fact if you don't catch a fish that that's exciting because that means it's going to feel that much better when you do catch a fish you know what i mean um so it's definitely changed um for me from being something where it's purely about fishing to Mm -hmm. now being outside it's to being in nature to to being away from people and to immersing yourself in that environment and and just appreciating everything like the fact that there's so many people who aren't even outside maybe they're sick right they can't even be outside now you're in nature you're in a beautiful place with beautiful air and and i think that in itself is something we have to appreciate and then catching the fish isn't nearly as important right you know there's a quote and i can't remember who has it but it's it's a really good quote that shifted my perspective and it was most men go fishing their entire lives without realizing it's not really the fish they're after. Right. Yeah. And that understanding really changed how I look at it. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, it's crazy how qu quotes like that or, or being introspective, to me it all fits within the same thing of how you're doing the same thing but you're looking at it through this new lens and you you knew it all along maybe, but it gives you just a way to contextualize it and right. be internal and think about it. But I'm just saying it's crazy how, to me, that's so powerful. Right. To be able to just look at life and relationships and fishing and whatever it might be through the works of other brilliant people and it, it helps you just frame your whole mindset, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's something we should always be willing to learn from others before us, you know, different perspectives maybe they had that we don't, you mm -hmm. know, and, and there's definitely a lot of things in life that I've found I've been able to grow from just by reading either a quote or a different thought from another person who came before and, and just had the time to, to really, you know, per perceive it differently. Right. And that that's important too. I think that's where a lot of people are taught from where you're early age, either not to question things or to be pretty set in their opinions. In fact, a, the best example I can think of is we are all set to like, what's the worst thing you can be as a politician, be a flip flopper. Sure. Right. Yeah. And we're like, he flipped his opinion. Why, why is that a bad thing? Right. Like why in our society do we think that's a terrible thing? Shouldn't we want, if somebody has new knowledge, new information, to be able to come to a new conclusion or a new opinion. Mm -hmm. I would think that's a good thing. Let's say I used to think that, you know, something was really bad. I'm now faced with new, more compelling evidence and information. I don't think that I should have that same closed-minded like thought right. and say, well, this is just the way I think. You should always be open to learning more information and, and to shifting your perspective. And I think that's where that, we go back to being more uh, intro, not intro, uh, introspective. Right, right. Where people are, rather be comfortable mm -hmm. and a lot of people get into a comfort zone where like this is how i live life this is what i do i'm comfortable i'm not going to change anything right and it's scary i think conquering that fear and being like knowing that with the fear comes excitement and mm -hmm. opportunity right that's where you're gonna you, instead of letting fear steer you away from doing new things and new experiences fear should push you into those things right you know and, and push you into trying new things you know so that's where i think most people can really start to gain most is getting out of their comfort zone and doing things they're terrible at and 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 there's a lot of really benefit like beneficial life things that come from doing things that you're terrible at yeah over and over again you know right right no and then and, and too i think there is a if you are very introspective there can be uncomfortable moments Right, you have to face and look at yourself and like, wow, I just did a really bad thing, or I was a bad friend, or a bad person, or whatever it might be, or or sometimes you're you're looking for answers and the answers aren't there, right? Right. Uh, and it can take you a long time to find those answers, or you need to go talk to somebody else to figure them out. So there there can be, uh, or I found, I mean, you can have moments in time where it, you can struggle with it being too introspective. Maybe not being too introspective, but you struggle just right. because of the fact that you are introspective, maybe, right? Absolutely. And, and that then leads to potential of paralysis by analysis, sure, right? Yeah. Where you could be too introspective, like you said, too introspective or too, even in jiu-jitsu is a good example. If you're too busy thinking about everything, mm -hmm. now you're not acting. So right. there is a balance between being introspective, but also having actions behind those thoughts. Right. If you can sit all day and think all day, but you're not going to be productive until you put those thoughts into those set of actions and, yeah. and actually 
be proactive, make a choice. Okay, I, I had a point where I was introspective. I came to this conclusion based on being introspective. Mm-hmm. Now let's do something. Right. You right. know what I mean? And I think I'm pretty guilty of that sometimes where I'll overanalyze and overanalyze and overanalyze. It's like, just make a decision. Just right. do, just, you know, go with your gut or go with whatever you think is right versus just overanalyzing something to death. And then oftentimes when you overanalyze, you miss, you miss something or you, you like place something that isn't there. Mm-hmm into that equation that you know throws everything off or it's not even like it doesn't relate back to reality sometimes you know what i mean so we have to be careful with being too introvert uh uh, introspective as well yeah for sure but i think that's the lifelong journey though because i can find myself in situations where i was too introspective and it got me in trouble but that taught me to of how to look at that situation in the future Right. right. You know what right. I mean? Like I had to go through this hurdle or this struggle of, of whatever that issue was, but then down the road, I was able to learn, okay, that's what it is. That's what happens in this situation. It's not me, it's them or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, but I would say still that's introspection that led to a choice Sure, right. that then led to more introspection based on that choice. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. there's that balance of making choices, but then still being introspective and, and, and having that, you know, the balance of, of the two, yeah. I, I would imagine, you know what I mean? Right. I do agree. And I think part of what I'm getting at is probably just trying to frame my world so that it's a benefit to how I am. Right. I mean, it's just a a confirmation bias, like you said. Right. Um, So with the potential downfalls of being introspective, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wouldn't trade it. Right. Right. Like I'm I'm glad that I'm that way and that I'm glad that I have those moments where I'm maybe to analyze what I'm what I'm into because I. I don't know. I guess it, to me, it just makes life interesting, but, uh, I'm curious about on the coaching side of things. You thought you would get into it, uh, from a psychological level, you said, cause when I asked you about it, you said you were interested in psychology, uh, and you had thought you get it, you would, you would get into it. But have you really enjoyed it? Um, so yes and no. Uh, I love teaching. I'll be honest. And, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but mm-hmm. I really love the adult programs the most. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people who really want to be there. They're right. coming into work. They all have the same goals. I struggle a little bit with the kids sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, again, there's different perspectives you can have. One of the very positive perspectives you can have is this is an opportunity to make some, teach somebody to love the sport at a young age. Right. And, and to show them why you love it and why they might love it too. I also, I just, I'm not a huge fan of like, you know, for me, it's something I'm very passionate about and I love. And, and sometimes you'll get some young minds who are like, I hate it or I don't want to be here. And mm-hmm. they like, they like drains you. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to like force people to love something that right. I love. I want to be surrounded by people who also love it. So I do really, really well with adult programs mostly. Yeah. Um, not, and I love the kids. I actually have really good kids coaches that I put in the kids program that, they have their own kids. They do really good job. They have the right energy to do a much better job, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also important to to be honest with yourself and to say, this is where I fit best. This is where I can do the most help. This is somewhere where maybe I'm not the best fit for this particular thing. And, and I think that's where I'm at with that. You know, I mm-hmm. really love coaching. I love sharing the art. I love knowing that, like, I have students who maybe were faced with a situation where otherwise they wouldn't have been able to defend themselves, where mm-hmm. they were able to defend themselves or where sure. they felt like that helped them, you know, right. um, even if they never had to use it. And, and that's something where 
knowing that you're making a difference for another person in their life, like even if they're like, man, I was way more comfortable going to the store today because mm -hmm. I knew that I didn't walk around scared that something's going to happen. I had a game plan. I, I was I was taught to be aware more of my surroundings through jujitsu. You know, mm -hmm. like just being a martial arts, this meaning, like I tell everybody, all my students, don't go into a room going, how do I use my jujitsu? Right. You go in a room as a martial artist, if you have proper martial arts preparedness, you're going, where are my exits? How do I get to my exits? What, what, like, what, let's say there's a stranger in the room, they look like they might be an aggressor. Where, where is their weakness? Like, what can I exploit? Like, maybe, you know, they're really tall. Okay, I can take them down if I have to. Mm -hmm. But you now have a game plan. You know where your exits are. You know your first strategy is get away from the situation entirely. Right. If I'm stuck in this situation, what am I going to do? Right. And those are things where I know that by coaching, I've I've helped other people. And I think that is really exciting for me. Yeah. Something I really love to do. Um, I also, there's always like, there's that balance. For example, I actually wanted to bring this up too is I think it's important for people to come to jujitsu knowing it's not going to solve all their problems either. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I, I, I've had this with kids classes. I had a mom call me once and she's like, I'd like to enroll my kid in jujitsu class. I'm like, great. Uh, what can I do? She's like, I'd like you to teach my son discipline. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> you know, all right. What do you mean? She's like, well, we're living in a hotel right now. Because my, my little kid really likes to play with lighters and he started our house on fire. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm going, keep your little arsonist away from my academy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Right. But you know, right. it's not, you're not going to come to jiu-jitsu and we're not going to solve discipline. Sure. We're not going to teach discipline in jiu-jitsu because it's not the goal of jiu-jitsu to teach discipline. Right. You will learn it as a byproduct of doing jujitsu. You will learn discipline. Right. I actually tell the parents all the time. If I like if I had a kid, if you want to learn the tenets of being a better person, you go and you do karate and you go and you do a traditional martial arts, which they have less technique, but a much greater focus on the tenets mm. of being a martial artist. Mm -hmm. Discipline, things like that. Um, jiu-jitsu is so filled with technique and movements that that is the focus right you're right. learning those as a secondary byproduct you will become more respectful towards others you'll become more disciplined as, as a martial artist by doing jiu-jitsu right it's just not the focus so i really enjoy coaching um but i i do it differently than a lot of people do it probably okay yeah the that's all good answers Fair enough. Yeah, right. No, because I think it is important to, to touch on the fact that this will be very beneficial. Uh, you can learn a lot from it. You can learn discipline as a byproduct, but it's not a, a, a fix all necessarily. Right. right. And it's not the it's not the focal point of the training. Right. You know, when you bring a child to karate class, their part of the class structure will be geared towards building that tenant. Of sure. discipline right and we're gonna have a whole speech we're gonna pull you aside like in karate class they're gonna say hey today this is how we're gonna learn to be more disciplined martial artists mm -hmm. we don't have time for that i have i have an hour and i have like thousands of techniques we're gonna learn technique but in that lesson if you're not paying attention you're goofing off i'm gonna say hey i even pull the kids aside i go hey there might be a kid in here who's getting bullied who really needs it so we all need to take this seriously we all need to work together and we need to really help each other right so now even though it wasn't at the foreground of what we're doing. All of a sudden the kids are like, oh, I have to help my teammate 
mm-hmm. to make sure if he's getting picked on, he's going to be able to defend himself. Now you're learning teamwork. Right. But it's not the main part of the lesson, if sure. that makes sense. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think parents and, and even people, if, if they're coming there to say, hey, I want to learn these things, it's probably not what they're going to learn at the foreground of what we're doing. Right. It's more, like I said, a byproduct of the training. If yeah. you allow yourself to immerse yourself, like if you immerse yourself in jujitsu, you will come away with all those things un- mm. without even really focusing on those things. Right. Right. But also crazy to think about, this has been a huge part of your world for 12 years. How long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go back 15, 16 years. You never would have thought you'd be here probably, no, right? No, absolutely yeah. not. I, uh, I, I was still playing hockey and yeah, you know, figuring that's where I was going to go. Yeah. But that's a cool part about life, right? Absol- absolutely. Absolutely. I, you never know where you're going to end up and you know what you're going to end up doing in 10 years I, I maybe in 10 years i'll be doing something totally different you just you just never know right 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 but also uh if do you have room in your classes like should people look you up and give absolutely. you a call we, and we check have, you out absolutely we, we're always adding new members um i so for one i i work with michigan tech i teach for michigan tech okay. uh, for their pe program yeah so we have two different classes for that and then we also have kids classes we have adult programs okay um, we have we have people from six all the way to you can train into your 90s if you wanted to so okay um that's yeah we're right by the finlandia building here in hancock or inside of it i should say okay uh four room 417 421 421 something like that okay uh, but fourth floor kuna jujitsu kuna jujitsu okay yeah. That's where people can find you as well. So room for people to come if this is a world that they would be yep. uh, interested in checking out or diving headfirst into, just give, give you guys a shout. Yep. And, and then I actually, you. I don't know if I, I, I mentioned this, but I actually do some guiding for fishing as well. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I just got into that. It's, I don't push it very, very much. Okay. Um, it's something that, again, I just really love. And, and I find that like when I started fishing locally, everyone's super, super secretive. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to share anything. And I understand for one, like we don't have a great stocking program overall and just, you know, and stuff like that. But for me, it was something that I really enjoyed and I want to share that passion with others. Yeah. So I started to offer that a little bit more like ice fishing stuff and and Hmm. specifically trout. Like people ask me all the time, can you take me for something else? I'm like, no, that is not something I'm good at. That's not something I'm going to take somebody's money for. This is something I spent a lot of time. I'm very confident in it Hmm. and I enjoy doing it. So my biggest thing that I would say like overall is, if you find something in life that you enjoy and you want to do it, chase it, find a way to monetize it if you want to. Right. You know, because there's two ways. You could either hate it because you monetized it. Right. Right. And now it's something you love became something you hated. Yeah. Right. Um, or you can turn that into a passion where you never feel like you work. Like I never go to the gym and go, I hate it. Like, ah, let me rephrase it. There's definitely days I don't want to go. Sure. You know, everybody has that. But those days are very few and far between. Most days I'm excited. I want to get in there. I want to share stuff. I'm like, I can't wait. I could have the worst day. Mm. And I'm like, I really can't wait to share some stuff with my students and show them some stuff. And and so that's really, if you can find something you love and make it profitable, you'll never work a day in your life. You know what I mean? And and it is possible to, to do that. You know, and I think more and more people are finding that through COVID. There's like less and less people going back to their regular jobs and more and more Etsy stores and businesses and people taking a chance on themselves. Huh. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's inspiring. Uh, the the thought of you getting into the the uh, fishing guiding too, that's a world I've been, not the fishing side, the hunting side, I've 
flirted with in my mind the thought of being a hunting guide i think i would really enjoy it uh and i've had that conversation in my head is would it make it so that i didn't enjoy it and i've come upon the conclusion if that's the case it wasn't that big of a passion in the first place i don't know if that's true but that's how i'm currently looking at it but i guess what are your thoughts there could is it is that the case like if if monetizing it turns out that you don't like it that wasn't that big of a passion or Uh, i I don't think not sorry not necessarily um it can be okay i think anything is going to come with its own risks and challenges and and you know it's all about how you do it okay you know and how you set yourself up for successors or failure if you set yourself up and it turns into something that it like grows into something you weren't looking for sure or didn't expect it could always be something that even though you love it it's something that is just not for you to share to other people or maybe not for you to create into a business Mm -hmm. um but i think you could still love it you know i think there's a balance to everything you know what i mean and even in jujitsu there's been points and times where maybe for a month i'm like i'm getting tired of it i'm like i don't want to go to the gym this month right but that's where now you have to sit down and go, why do I feel that way? Mm-hmm. And what can I change about how I feel to make it more interesting and make it more exciting? And oftentimes you're going to find that it's not an issue with the thing itself. It's something within yourself, mm-hmm. you know, or something that maybe you're not even aware of or haven't been introvert or introspective enough to really understand yet. Right. And, and with that comes more opportunity and more uh, chance to learn about yourself and about what you're doing. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's black and white. Sure. Right. Like anything, right. There's always right. a lot of variability or nuance to it as well. Right. Right. But, um, well, even like, for example, with ice fishing, uh, just as a thought like that came right in, I really enjoy sharing the art with other people. So mm-hmm. I love, when I take people fishing, I don't just go and take them fishing. Like, because some days maybe you'll catch something, maybe you don't. And I've, I've gone to like Sturgeon Bay, you pay a couple hundred bucks, you don't catch anything and you leave and you almost feel cheated. You're like, Mm. well, I paid a bunch of money. I didn't catch anything. Not that there's a guarantee. Right. Right. I always tell my dad, like, if I can tell you how many, we'll go fishing. He's like, how many think we'll catch today? I'm like, if I could tell you that I'd be rich. Right. Right. Cause I'd only go on days where I know I'm going to catch fish and then I can guarantee that. Yeah. Um, but I try and really teach people how to catch fish and how to set up for when they leave and they go home, they left with an experience and, and, and a lesson and how to do it themselves. Now, let's say you really love fishing, but now you get clients that are just like super rude, super unruly. They destroy your stuff. They destroy your rods. You come in and like, they destroy stuff well you might love ice fishing Mm -hmm. but you're gonna hate that job right now you know what i mean so setting yourself up to have clients you know maybe that like if you let's say you have 20 clients but 10 days be a little bit picky in who you pick as clients to ensure that you're gonna have a good time or what you know like just i'm just throwing Mm -hmm. that out there but overall you can set yourself up to have your business fit what you want to get out of that business and Mm -hmm. to be enjoyable for yourself right or you can make it miserable for yourself and that if you're your own boss that's ultimately the cool thing about it is you're your own boss so that's up to you to design it however you feel is the best yeah for sure no as you're saying that it does make me think that maybe the intent the the way to go about it is to be very intentional on the maybe the styles that you're looking for like this is fitting within the framework of what you enjoy 
right? right. Uh, but also maybe having your clients be by referral only or something to that effect so that you, they bring in like-minded people, for example. I don't know if you could do that right away, but maybe eventually get to that point. Right, right. right. And, and again, that's up to you. Like if you're running your own thing, you can do it however you want. Sure. And know that that's awesome because you're making the calls, but that's also a little scary because you're making the calls. Right, right. So, you know, being open to changing and, and trying different things and that's going to be the biggest thing is I, I always tell people don't be set in your ways just always be willing to experiment to try new things and i think that's something that also jujitsu instills in you is if you keep doing the same thing over and over again either people are going to figure you out and they're going to start doing things different and it's no longer going to work mm-hmm. or it's just not going to work in the first place so now you have to constantly be changing and evolving to make sure what you're trying to bring to the table or whatever you're trying to do is going to still continue to bring you success right you right. know no, it's all good stuff. I, I really appreciate all that insight. For sure. Yeah. Stan, thanks for coming on. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have, and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast where if you listen and give us some feedback with a review until next time. Thank you.